Well, hi there, and welcome to my podcast where I invite you to run with me after memories and shape them into stories. On this show, I'll also share samples of my writing and interesting moments from everyday life. I'm your host, Ruru Sig, and today you're listening to my first podcast, The Story Chaser. Welcome to episode two of season two, The Story Chaser. I want to apologize for any um, pops, bangs, or anything you hear in the distance. There are some folks just hanging on to that 4th of July fun by shooting off some more fireworks tonight uh, here and there. And I hope to God they are fireworks and not gunshots. Um, Not funny, but a reality, a true concern. Anyway... So I'm going to start out tonight by sharing the coolest thing with you guys. Okay, so um, I had a major big magic moment last week. And what the heck is a big magic moment? Well, to fully understand it, you must, must read the book titled Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. It was gifted to me at a point in life when I really needed it by a very important person to me. And I'm now recommending it to all of you. I have read it multiple times and I keep the audio version in my Audible library ready to roll at any moment. It explains this connection between creative people existing through enlightenment of belief. It is the passing of art over or under directly through the universe as we know it and understand reaching one another through the defiance of logic. And it is awesome. So in my previous episode, Flagging Down My Hero, I ribboned together a few stories in one life lesson. And I shined some major light on a childhood hero of mine, Dick Biondi. So if you heard it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't heard it, go on listen to episode one of season two. And in order to explain the big magic moment, I have to explain my podcast routine. So um, it goes like this. On Sunday evenings, I brainstorm for ideas and I open myself up through prayer to help me land on the meant-to-be episode. Once that idea is clear to me, I begin to structure the bare bones of it, outlining the first rough draft. On Mondays, my day off from work, I write the final draft after a few tighter versions. And Monday nights, I sit down and record an audio rough. Then I walk away from my project, go about my life, and Tuesday nights after work, I record more roughs until I get it just right. Wednesday nights, I choose my cover artwork and I edit my audio and then I schedule it for my Thursday morning launches. Cool. Okay. That's the routine. So last week's episode broke through a list of other ideas and I kept returning to it and I was unsure of why it seemed to be the one. I trusted and I went with it. I stayed on course and this part still blows my mind. Okay. So on Monday, June 26, while I was recording the first audio draft, Dick Biondi at age 90 was peacefully leaving this earth. Of course, I had no idea of this. 
I followed the rest of my usual steps, launched the episode on Thursday, and on Saturday, I read the breaking news that the beloved radio host Dick Biondi had passed away. And you could have knocked me over with a feather. That's how still I was from the shock as I was reading the news headline. The date of his passing was June 26, the night I was recording the episode about how he was one of my heroes. And he was, at that time, exhaling his final breaths here on Earth. And they traveled all the way to me and wafted through my notes, pushing other ideas aside. I completely believe this. I believe that the piece was meant to be and that the creativity was from another life form of its own. All of this is explained way more eloquently in the book Big Magic. I knew without knowing that I had to honor this man. How incredible is that, right? Bonus, cool tidbit, his radio station was Magic 104.3. So, um, the signs were there. And I was just a vessel to communicate a message. And then again, that's what all writers are, right? We're vessels of communication. And we're all connected to one another by the simple things that we love. So I just wanted to start with that because it just was mind-blowing. Enjoy the book. Get your hands on it and give it a read. Tonight's episode is going to be kind of spooky guys I think I mean it's terrifying for me but I think it's going to kind of spook you out I hope you're okay with that I'm going to start out with a question have you ever had a bone chilling nightmare now it might be because of the daily journaling that I do or maybe it's because I'm creative but I remember most of my dreams and nightmares in great detail And I know not everyone is like this because of common dream conversations that I've had with people. And I typically go something like this, like they'll say to me, I had some crazy dreams last night, man, just weird. And I'll ask, oh, really, what happened in them? And the other person will answer, I don't know, just crazy, something about a car, maybe no doors on it. Weird, weird. I can't remember. It's just crazy dreams. So if you ask me, what my dreams were about from the night before, you should buckle up because it's going to be a very detailed ride through it. And it will go more like, oh, first I started out on the street I grew up on, but then the pavement turned into water. So I grabbed the nearest frog and I asked him how to get into a boat. Then a bakery had a sign hanging in the window that read, don't give up on yourself. So I went in there and they were serving bricks out of the oven instead of loaves of bread. Just kind of an idea of what it's like to talk to me. Remembering details is how I've always been, but the morning journaling that I do, which is a routine of three pages of my subconscious rundown first thing in the morning, helps to strengthen those details, I think. So tonight, I'm going to share with you two nightmares from sleep in my life and one while awake. And everyone has fears, right? Okay, but mine have the ability to really take over my mind sometimes, like my phobia of snakes. You can't see me, but I just shuddered, which I always do 
when even saying the word snake. And I just did it again. Look, I know they're instrumental for the ecosystem. I know they eat mice and all the stuff. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I know God made them and they have a place here too, but I don't like them. I don't like that they're always smiling. Yeah. Nah. What are you smiling about? A little windy murder. You're about to squeeze the life out of some creature. Woo! Uh, even as a child, I would leave the room if there was ever a snake on the TV or slam a book shut if there was a photo of one on the page. And in childhood, I had a snake nightmare. And I can still see it now. It went like this. Simple enough scene. I'm a child sitting nicely on a sheet, laying upon the grass in the afternoon sun. I had my palms flat on the cotton material, and I liked the soft feel on my skin. It was a delightful few seconds until I saw the circular motion of a black and green speckled object slip under the sheet. It was sliding towards me, and the fabric, graced in a flower pattern, began to rise in the shape of a pipe. I stood, pulled the sheet back, revealing a snake. I started running, and when I turned to look over my shoulder, the snake was slithering after me. I picked up the pace against the wind with my skin stretching backwards almost like my own skeleton was going to force its way through, shedding a layer much like the creature after me would in its own season. I heard a tearing sound, and turning back again, that's when I saw wings growing out of the snake. It hovered a little and then began taking flight. Its fangs were at my shoulder when I woke up. I was panting, and I slapped my own face to make sure I was safe in my own bedroom. Isn't that frickin' frightening? Later on in years, I was experiencing a bout of insomnia, and it had been about two weeks where I didn't sleep a whole night through. Just caught a couple of hours each day. It was a stressful time, to say the least. I had a new neighbor who was renting the apartment below me. He was a nice guy, friendly, as we first met in the hallway. And we chatted briefly about how he found the apartment, and he was excited to be a new tenant, and so on and so on. I explained that my place was directly above his and how the layout was, I believe, to be exactly the same. He invited me in to view his place to see if that was accurate. I accepted. I stepped in about three feet and was smiling at the identical foyer. I scanned to the left and then to the right, but lost my smile and the color in my face when I saw a giant aquarium in his dining room holding a stacked python resting and probably now wanting to wrap itself around me like one giant blood pressure cuff. I lost my footing and stumbled backwards. Uh-oh, you're not afraid of snakes, are you? He asked. Very, a lot, yeah, I don't, um, I can't be here. I stuttered through an answer as I backed my way out. This thing was like eight feet long and fat and all of it immediately haunting. 
I ran upstairs in my place, which still didn't feel far away enough. Trying to catch my breath, I took sudden notice of every crack and crevice in my apartment with intrusive visuals of that thing finding its way up and through. I opened my laptop and went to Facebook. I created a post and it wasn't one of my woes. No, no. It read as this. Anyone interested in a python for sale? It's very healthy and the price can be negotiated. PM me for details. I watched as person after person reacted to my bizarre snake sale post. Even had a few messages of interest. It wasn't long before there was a knock at my door, which startled me. Could snakes actually knock, I wondered? No, wait, no, wait. Come on, snap out of it. I opened the door to see my new neighbor standing there, concerned and awkward, approaching into his questioning. Uh, I'm sorry, but did you just post my snake for sale on Facebook? You bet your ass I did, fella, I said, pointing, pretending to be brave, but really just trembling, sweating down my hairline. This began a war between us, but the battle was really within myself. I threatened things, lots of things I'm not proud of. I threatened to let a mongoose loose in his living room window. Ideas I had... um, in the depth that my imagination could go, again, I I don't care to share them here. I said a lot. We finally came to an agreement that he would text me at night when his pet was back in its tank and locked because it was free in his apartment for the most part. Something about it being able to stretch out, I don't know. Matter of fact, one time his door was a bit ajar and I slammed it shut on my way into the building. I mean, an unruly beast growls and snarls, giving you warning of an attack. It's like a fair battle. But a snake is silent in its approach. Hence the reason I had a butcher knife in my hand at all times when home, which included beside my bed. And the bottom line here is that the stress of all of this caused my serious bout of insomnia, which was creating a fuzziness in my workability, conscious thought process, and overall joy. If you've ever experienced insomnia, you know it's much like the lingering guest after you've hosted a dinner party and everyone else had the sense to leave, but that one person cracks open another beer as you are literally in your pajamas staring at them. It's a horrible guest. Insomnia is rude as ever, arriving without any announcement. Someone I worked with um, had suggested melatonin as a natural sleep aid. So I bought some. And without reading the instructions on the back of the bottle, I took like four of them. And of course, totally passed out that night. I went into what's called sleep paralysis, which is the inability to move or speak while falling asleep and or waking. During my melatonin overdose, I had a sleep paralysis nightmare, and it was one of those where nothing was unusual in the scene. In it, my bedroom was exactly how I knew it to be in real life at that time. My bed was placed directly to the left of the doorway, and on the wall facing my bed was a vintage 
elegant, full body size mirror. Besides that, in the corner was a small television which sat upon a stand. I could both see myself from an aerial view, but also see from my perspective from the bed. And the television began turning on and off, flashing rapidly. And this woke me in the dream, but I'm still dreaming. I moved my hand a little, searching for the remote under my covers, assuming I had rolled over on it, but it wasn't there. Then I was able to focus my hazy vision and see something strange in the mirror. It was reflecting my dining room, which sat behind my bedroom. My heart began racing because what I saw was a man in a floor-length raincoat standing on a step stool. He had the remote control in his hand, pointing it towards my room. He was pushing the button while also removing a light bulb from the light above my dining room table at the same time and placing it back in, pressing the button, taking it out, pressing the button. It was a rhythm with the TV going on and off. I tried to sit up but my shoulders felt like they were a thousand pounds and I realized I couldn't move. He could see me in the mirror just like I could see him. He then began to step down off the stool and walk towards my bedroom. As he walked, he spoke. And here's what's really freaky. His voice was in stereo throughout my whole apartment. And he asked, So... You are awake? My head was shaking as I tried with all my might to rise up from my bed, but I just couldn't. And so I just answered, I guess so. Suddenly, he was standing next to my bed, and he said, Today is your last day. I woke up, catapulted forward like sandbags were severed from my limbs. I was drenched in sweat, so much so that I felt the need to remove my pajamas right away. I ran around turning on every light in my place, but I couldn't get calm. So despite it being the dead of winter and 3 a.m., I put on clean clothes and headed out to my car. I just couldn't be in my apartment after that, and I drove around until the sun rose. The next day, I was on a waitressing shift at a small bar I worked at for years and years uh, close to home, and I was on my 15th cup of coffee that day just uh, trying to exist in the static between when you don't sleep and you are awake and it's all confusing, and I was just in a terrified uh state after having that nightmare just really it, it obviously it lingered with me years later I mean I'm talking about it tonight I did going on and on um but especially the next day it was like still kind of with me and I was um telling the story to another gal that I worked with so I was explaining this dream you know and she was just staring at me with every detail like dude that is really really scary I'm like yes and when I finished this <laughs> manager that we had at the time um came up and he said um just like this can I say something and I said oh, sure go right ahead I don't mean to eavesdrop but I was listening to your nightmare and I have one thing to say aliens 
And uh, her and I shot a couple looks back and forth to one another. I'm like, what? I said, aliens. Aliens were in your bedroom. And if you don't believe me, you're naive. You are naive. He was um, getting riled up and pointing at me. Because um, I'm going to tell you right now, my brother came running out of his bedroom once and was buck naked because there were aliens in his bedroom. And that is what I think happened to you. And I, just, I put my hand up and I'm like, slow your roll. Take it back a couple steps here. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to get through this shift. You and your alien beliefs are on another route, another journey, friend. This is mine, and that is that. And sometimes it just goes like that, guys, right? What else can I say? Well, this is as good a place as any to end this episode. My name is Ruru Sig, and I thank you for listening to The Story Chaser. Remember, there are stories everywhere. The key is to focus in on the little memories to find the bigger moments. My promise to you is that I'll keep chasing those stories. Be well, folks, and go ahead. Have a wonderful life.